Camp, 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 Radio. Camp, Radio. Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. Hey, we continue our uh, study on what if, and this has been a great study so far, just dealing with conflict and uh, church split. And today we're going to be talking about uh, a culture that becomes suddenly against the church. And I think this is something that has been growing over the years. And here we find ourselves in this uh, uh, new culture of, and I'm not sure, they'll probably have some sort of new term of what this uh, culture will be during the COVID years, and uh, especially how it has um, interacted with the church, the local church. Uh, and, and there seems to be this disgruntledness about, I, I wouldn't say religion, uh, but I think Christianity in general, uh, especially in the in Western world in the United States. But we have with us uh, John Parrott. He's uh, started our series here, and it's been a pleasure to have John with us. John, we're looking forward to some more wisdom today. I don't know about that, but I'm just looking forward <laughs> to spending some time with you. Yeah. Well, John, let's talk a little bit about, about this issue. Well, uh, let me say, you know, that, yeah, we're definitely in an intensification time with the church's influence over against the culture and how the culture sets itself over against the church. And the amazing thing we've watched in our time that none of us saw coming, you know, we started the whole thing by saying, what do you do when you live in a world that you didn't see it coming? I mean, you know, this is not anything that anybody was prepared for. And obviously one was the pandemic, which has wreaked havoc on a lot of things and how the church structures itself. And then the other thing has been this interesting mix now that has come between conservative, liberal, and politics. How all of this has gotten intertwined somehow in what the church is, is to be about. And so we'll talk a little bit about that because it, it definitely has taken away the normal of what the church was. A year or so back, churches were gathering on the Lord's Day. Some of them have reasonably great attendance. Uh, the, if anything, back in those days, we were battling more about how we did the worship than anything else, worship wars and all that. And, and, and suddenly, uh, the inability to even come together came on the scene and uh, has challenged us to rethink what church is. There's a, there's a little book I have in my study called The Westernized Jesus. And it's almost as though, as part of that culture, we've defined a Western Jesus, not a biblical Jesus. You know, it's God, the flag, the American pie, or pie, and all that kind of stuff. That's what we're suddenly tying religion to, so to speak. So, there are challenges. Now, let me just, I don't have a lot of answers for this today, but some of the challenges I see before the church we're already aware of. One is, we're going to have to come up with a continued digital ministry strategy. That's become very real for us. You know, we right. had guys who uh, who have cursed Facebook and everything else that suddenly saw a value in it when they couldn't get those people together. And guys who was out there, you know, a little church of 30 people on Sunday suddenly say, I spoke to a thousand people yeah. Sunday. <laughs> you know, suddenly yeah. they see there there is a tool, there is a way to communicate this gospel, to be honest with you. We didn't see it until the pandemic. I'm not saying it's in the same category, but it's kind of the idea when the church was in Jerusalem and Jesus had told his church, you'll be witnesses in me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But where was the church? It was in Jerusalem. So what happens to the church in Jerusalem? It gets persecuted. So what happens? They got to start scattering. What was it God wanted? 
He wanted them to scatter. He wanted to get this gospel out there. And so now we're seeing that there's ways to scatter the seed of the gospel that the church, to be honest with you, we weren't using. Many churches were not. And suddenly they see there's a tool there, but that's going to have to even be tweaked more and more. We have to be careful with our communication, the words we're using as to how they're understood. So one of the challenges I believe the church is facing now is, is what kind of strategy we're going to have on the digital side as time goes along, because it's not just Facebook or YouTube. It's going to be more and more ways that we share. One of the greatest challenges, too, that we will have is how do we keep this gospel personal? Because it seems with the technology and all that we have, what are we doing more and more? What has the pandemic done? It has isolated us. And this gospel is not about isolation. It's about penetrating of lives. How in the world do you get that done? You know, and that's one of the things that, that I'd say to churches, the churches have got to pray and desire a vision about. And I'll say some more about that in a minute. Another thing that I think churches are going to have to intensify on is family ministry, a focused family ministry. I think pastors have got to understand the greatest discipler enabler of the next generation is the family the moms the dads that we are able to train them to disciple their children now that the the hard side of that is the diversity in what we call family because families are divided and are broken and so many times but that doesn't keep us from knowing there has to be a key person or persons who will invest in the lives of a generation coming on that they know what it is to follow jesus christ you see, I go back to that commission where he says, you go into the world and you get them saved. No, that's not what he said. You make disciples. Which salvation is certainly in that. But I want them to be followers of me. You teach them to observe everything I've commanded you because you see to be salt and light. So I think we're going to have to refocus on family ministry and help our families to disciple their own. It's not the task of the church to do that per se, an organization. And I don't mean this because I've had some of the most guys I've dearly loved in my life in ministry, but I don't know where we ever got the idea that we disciple people at six to seven o'clock on Sunday night. And we did that for a long time. We kind of looked at it that way. This is how you do it. No, it's a day-by-day walk and journey that we're teaching, not just by what we're teaching, but what they watch in our lives. In other words, are they seeing us open the scripture daily? Are they hearing us pray are, they, are we praying with them? Uh, we're, we're magnifying God. Where do we spend most of our energy? Are we serving others? Or are we soaking in everything we can get? So, well, And during this time, has that's, that has really driven all of this during this pandemic is that uh, we were forced to be spend time isolated. Our families become isolated. And so suddenly all the dynamics changed. And so we, we are walking out of this different because, you know, uh, you you and I have heard uh, families very, uh, they're, they're even more so protective of their kids, that we need to do things as a family. That type of thinking wasn't there before no, this. No, it was not. And I think it's one way God is teaching us. You know, here again in his sovereignty, we see a, a difficult moment, but it's a time that the family has been able to come back together. You know, we used to say that when you looked at the family, this and I'll date myself what I'm going to say, but this is not an Ozzie and Harriet experience. This is not we're all at the dinner table and we're all, you know, communicating and all, but we've come back to a point like that because we can't go everywhere and fragment ourselves, you know, and we were bad in the church. Uh, we were bad to fragment the church. You got the adults, you got the youth, you got the kids. Lord forbid they all ever get together. 
And so I've always been a strong advocate of the children as much as possible on the Lord's Day and worship time should be with their parents. So here we have some values have that have uh, shifted back. Yes. Values of the fam, local family. These are values, even though they're not believers, a lot of these, they have realized what true values are with the family. So here we have a social media uh, society now that's very driven with that, more so because that's where we have to encounter our audience. I say audience, those who don't yes. know Christ. Yes, But they're, they're together as families. So you put those two elements together, and, and very obvious that the church is being forced to do that. Yes. But we I guess we actually need to do more really acknowledge it and be aggressive in trying to impact people sure. through those methods. Sure. The methods that God allows us to have, they're not there by accident, and, and it's a way that we can communicate. And I, and I tie on to that, you know, looking at our discipleship pathways. You know, what are we doing? I had a friend, I can't remember the story exactly, he was talking about, uh, he, was, he had started a virtual biblical study class. And uh, and after he'd been together week two, uh, you know, through Zoom, all they were doing is suddenly had some guys showing up from the middle part of the state on his Zoom and suddenly realized, oh, man, and these were not church going guys. So, you know, he, he tells, you know, he talks about what we're about and we're studying the word and hope you will continue to enjoy uh, join us and all. And he said, lo and behold, a week from that point of time, said this guy showed back up, but he brought three more with him. And suddenly you find, hey, here's a tool that God can use in their lives. They're never going to get down to a building where I am, but they're going to hear the gospel and that gospel can change their lives. So you're right. We've got to learn how to embrace what's there and use it on a positive side because we all know it's got enough negatives in it. So yeah, our our strategic pathway of discipleship will expand. It will not all be within four walls of a building or just this community I'm in right now. It's going to go beyond there because God has given us the tools to do that. So how do we get it done? And that goes back to how we communicate and whatever we're saying, what's behind what we're saying. So I'll hurry along here. You see, what what comes to be here in this time has always been true for the church. Vision is going to be important as we go forth. Now, let me tell you something that bothered me about talking to pastors about vision. And I guess more so when I was working on the mission board than even before some, but talking to guys about vision, I've had guys who were in fairly good-sized churches that it said to me, literally, they said, John, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you mean by vision. I don't have a vision. And, you know, you think, really? And, I mean, they're in not just a small church where a guy might say, well, I really don't know this. God, I, I don't have any vision. Well, God, help us if we don't have a vision for where he has us. And so what we need to pray for is kind of like the Bible said in First Chronicles 12, 32. Sons of Issachar, they were men who understood the times and had knowledge of what Israel should do. May we pray that God gives us leadership in our churches who understand these times and know what we need to do as a church. And we're seeing some unique stuff, you know, unfold because guys are understanding that and they're doing things that were never done before, you know, with the gospel. But as long as we keep the focus of the gospel, you know, it's not just the novelty of a new thing, but is it helping us to propagate this gospel? Because that's the one thing he told us to do and that's what I try to tell myself every day in the midst of all the politicizing that's going on, uh, with all the social aspects and everything going on. I, the gospel, the gospel. This is about getting the gospel to people. It's not about me getting angry or mad or I want to get in a political discussion with this guy. No, I don't want to do that. I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So vision is important. I've got this little story I'll tell you about vision. It's kind of cute, but it explains kind of where we are today and what happens to us sometimes if we do not get vision. Story goes like this. Almost 400 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America. The first year, they established a town site. The next year, they established a town government. The third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. And in the fourth year, the people tried to impeach the town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. <laughs> but here's the point. Who needed to go there anyway? Here were people who had a vision to see 3,000 miles across an ocean and overcome great hardships to get to this new land, but in just a few years, they weren't even able to see five miles outside of town. What had happened? They lost their vision. And that's what we have to be careful about, you know, in the time which we live. I really think we were close to losing vision. Back before the pandemic, you know, and was going on, for a lot of our churches, vision was lost. We didn't really know where we were going. We were just Sunday to Sunday, biding our time and not really knowing how God wanted us to impact community, nation, and the world. There's a story in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses. He's at 120 years old, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian, 40 years leading in the wilderness to the edge of the promised land. Okay. And he addresses the people of God near the time that he's going to die because Moses saw great challenges for Israel and great struggles between the people and God. So he cautions a generation of parents and all that you must be sure that your people hear God's law. What we would say, we must be sure that that generation knows the gospel and that they learn to fear God, reverence God. Now, why was Moses telling them that? Because he knew that when they got ready to go in this new journey with God, that was a new generation of Israelites. you got to remember, they're removed from the bunch that came out of Egypt. They saw what God could do. They saw those waters parted. They saw how he gave them the victories and battles. This generation's only heard the stories. And Moses knew this. But what did he tell them? You must tell them the stories. Don't quit telling the stories of what God has done. So that's one thing he understood. And then he knew that the condition for their lives would be different. For 40 years, when Moses delivers this message to them, what have they done for 40 years? Wandered in the wilderness. Right. No real direction and, and nomadic. They lived in tents again. For 40 years, they did that. Now they come back to the promised land threshold and they're getting ready to go in this new land. And Moses knows they're not going to go where they're living in tents. They're going where there are cities. And the people that live in these cities are anti-God the true and the living God. They have nothing for the living God. And so he knew that they'd be exposed to idolatrous influences that would challenge the worship of the true and living God. Moses knew that before they went in there. Joshua would understand that. We're going where we've never gone before, but we do know this. We're going where it's anti everything we've been taught. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. We're going in a generation that doesn't know. So Moses knew one thing, that his own growth and walk in the Lord God and his life's experiences made him know how important it was to urgently pass this faith to the next generation. I think you might have been there, Kevin. We did one of our last bivocational retreats we did in Sevierville on urgently passing the faith yeah. to the next generation. And that's what we were talking about, the urgency of that, that we don't have time to waste. And so Moses had that vision. But I, I want to get back to, to point out in this segment what I think is a real key that we may be missing in our churches today if we've been truly followers of Jesus Christ. You see, I believe seniors in our churches can become great examples of what it is to follow Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Seniors. 
In other words, in this process of, of discipling a new generation and having vision, we need grandparents. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, 5, For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelled in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Talking about Timothy, Paul right. said, I'm sure that it is in you as well. Outside of God's love for us, I believe there's not a purer love, and I'm going to be biased when I say this, there's not a purer love in a family than grandparents. That's pure love yeah. right there, man. <laughs> I know that from experience. But I want seniors to understand in our church, we have an awesome responsibility to make disciples of our children and our grandchildren. That we do, we live in Him in a way they know how to live in Him. The best and most effective sermons are not those that somebody's up in the pulpit saying, is what we're living. And they will remember that in our lives. They'll remember that we pray. I give this analogy from at different times. I remember when I was growing up, my dad, when I was from a teen years, I was still a teenager, you know, and sometimes you're out and you get in late and stuff. And I can remember coming home at night in our home. I had my own key come in. Everybody's in the bed when I get in. And yeah. I'm coming in. I'm going down the hall to my room. And again, in the hallway to the left was my mom and dad's bedroom. And on down to the right was where my bedroom was. And I'd walk that hallway and step in that hallway. And I could hear my dad on his knees praying. And he would call my name. And he'd call my brother's name. And I would hear him do that over and over again. You think I've ever forgotten that? Yeah. That he taught me it's important to pray for your family. And, and so I pray, Kathy and I pray every morning for our children and our grandchildren, every one of them. And we pray that they honor God in their lives, in their witness. And so grandparents, it's so important, an awesome responsibility. And I, and I would say to seniors in churches, this is not a time for unjust criticism about what we're trying to do in the church to get the gospel out. You've heard it, and I've said I've had people say, I can't wait till we get back to the way things were. We get yeah. back to normal. And you want to say to them with all the love you can, you're never going to get back there. And I don't think God wants us to get back no. there. That's yeah. what was wrong. We didn't need to be in that normal. We needed to be making disciples. So I believe, too, that it's important in the church that we have mentors to the young. Um, think in 1 Kings 19, 19, you know, you find a lot. Uh, so he departed. We're talking about Elijah. He finds Elisha son of Shaphat, while he's plowing. And Elijah passed over to him through his mantle on Elisha. Becomes a mentor. Elijah gave Elisha the greatest gift he could ever give him. What? His time, and he poured his life into him. Hmm. This is what Jesus did with 12, and one of them was a the devil. But he spent time with him and poured his life, right. what he was about, into them. Took three years to do that. When you live in an instant culture, it's awfully hard to accept. It's going to take three years to get this thing turned around or Get away. But it, it's a necessary. Mentoring is biblical. We can see it Moses, Joshua, Naomi and Ruth, Barnabas, John Mark, Paul, Timothy, Titus, Jesus' his disciples. Power of mentoring is when we raise up sons of Issachar in times in which we live, that they understand now the times they're living in and how we've got to get the gospel out. You know, that's, that's, a cha that's some of the challenges we have, and we don't have time to go in. We could break each one down. Uh, but but we're in those times that the culture is seeing a church that's not the church and thinks it's the church, you know, because, you know, and, and I'm not trying to sound political in what I'm going to say and I'll be finished with this, you see, but when we, we have an episode at the Capitol of the United States, which is a big newsworthy thing, and mm -hmm. somebody's up there waving a Christian flag and somebody will probably, I'll probably get something on this. <laughs> you tell me how that's Christian because what they're seeing is, so these are people who are militant. These are people who attack. These are people that break down. No, that's not who we are. That's who, God, who the Lord never intended for us to be. I'm not saying we don't stand up for right, but we don't go doing stuff like that. And yet we're doing it in the name of Christianity. We had to come and do this. And so they say, well, so that's how you are. Okay, yeah. if you can raise your fist, so can I. 
And that's not the way he intended for us to be. And so we, we need to grow in the Lord and our walk with him because it's going to be so contingent every day where it's like, I can get up in the morning and I can feel so much pressure on my life, but I can go to the word of God and read some scripture and pray. And I'm a lot better off of the day than I was. I've been reading through the Bible again. I've been reading, I've been through Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, all that. But it's one thing that is spoken out to me that I want everyone to hear me say today about the church that we must accept from God. God does not want to hear our complaining. That's what I picked up in those chapters I've read so far. (laughs) There's one thing God couldn't stand. It's for his people to complain. When he's resourced them, he's been faithful to them, he's helped them in every day. Don't you complain to me about where I put you, what you're facing now. Embrace it and go with the gospel. Our pastors are listening right now. I think it's a great message of uh, we have, uh, most of our churches have a wealth of senior adults uh, in, in our congregations that could really change another generation. Could if change. They, yeah. If they're willing, they and, can. And they're where they need to be with the Lord. Yes. If they're not, they need to repent and get where they need to be with yeah, the Lord. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not Christian. They're just not fulfilling what he commissioned us to do. And, and so to turn this around, turn around that culture that's against the church, we have to begin to disciple those uh, other generations, younger generations, and, and we have older adults who can do that Yes, if they're willing. Yes, that's true. Yeah. John, thank you for sharing with us on that topic, just, uh, just the culture against the church. Uh, also, if you're listening to this podcast and you would like to leave a comment or follow us if you're on iTunes, please do that. And if you have questions for me or John or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.